Hey parents, it's Robin McMahon here. Before you dive into this episode, I want to say thank you. Thank you for listening to my show, Parenting Our Future. And did you know that you can watch this show as well on YouTube? If you want to watch this episode instead of listening to it, you can head over to my YouTube channel, Parenting for Connection, where you will find all of my podcast episodes, as well as a library of my videos that have tips and parenting strategies on how to parent even the most difficult kiddos. You will learn how to get better behavior, better listening, so that you can feel more calm and confident in your parenting, no matter what you're facing. So I hope to see you over on YouTube. Now back to the show. Hey, everybody, it's Robin here. Welcome to another episode of Parenting Our Future. And this is for you mamas, for you listening. I want you to settle in. I want you to grab a cup of tea, give yourself permission to take a minute or go for a walk or do something. But I just want you to know that this episode is for you. And this is for you to give yourself permission to take care of yourself. And I have the most wonderful guest, Leslie Ford on today. And she's doing some snaps. I love it. so much. She's awesome. She is the CEO and founder of mom's hierarchy of needs. Hello. Where have you been all my life? Like really like you are so important. So she has used research to inform growth and innovation strategy for over 20 years. She's held brand management, product marketing, and business development roles in consumer technology, market research, media, and publishing companies. And for the past decade, she's focused on children's education, mental health, child care, and elder care. And most recently, she's held leadership positions at... How do I say that? Houghton Mifflin. Houghton Mifflin. It's an educational publisher. So a lot of a lot of your children's textbooks through the school years oh. and educational materials come from Houghton Mifflin. Okay. Most recently, she's held leadership positions at Houghton Mifflin, Harcourt, Care.com, C-Space. She has began her brand man- and began her brand management career at Motion Law. Okay. That is so cool. And Xerox too. So she has been in the New York Times, CNN, National Geographic, Fast Company, US News and World Report, and other and other outlets. She's also a mom to two kiddos. So welcome, Leslie. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so, so happy to talk to you about our needs. We have needs. We do have needs. And I think we're tired of ignoring them. It's been like the unspoken rule in the culture that whatever we really need or really want, we should kind of diminish it, put it aside, compartmentalize it. And it's not working anymore. So I'm really excited to be here and to share um, that we do have needs and there are ways to protect them and advocate for our own time. Oh, I love it. I love it. And here's what I know to be true, that when we don't get our needs met, we start to have feelings about not getting our needs met. And those just sort of swarm around inside of us until it's at a breaking point and we explode or implode. And usually if we're exploding, we're exploding all over the people we love the most that we're doing all of this for. So it actually is counterintuitive to not take care of yourself because taking care of yourself is really number one in managing your overwhelm, your anger, and all of the things that's going on with you. A hundred percent. I mean, you said it beautifully. It seems like the giving thing or the loving thing is to continue to pour 
all of your energy and time into others um, and into this kind of very long list of responsibilities that we have. But all that self-sacrifice does not end well, right? It starts to erode your sense of identity. It starts to erode your goodwill, your patience, your health. And none of that's good for anybody. Certainly not your family, certainly not your job. And I encourage people to kind of, you know, stop the madness. And it's hard yeah. to do because we're, we're discouraged from taking care of ourselves. Yeah. You know, it's, it, that's so interesting that you say that. And I think about this uh, and I, and I want to be careful when I say this because I don't want to shame any moms or, or anything. And, and, and what I'm trying to get at is that there is this, you know, our health is at risk. I think is really the bottom line, but then in order to manage the, the stress and overwhelm that we feel, maybe we add a glass of wine or two or three a night. Right. And so we're also adding more, more, now we've just added extra stuff to the equation. Right. And, and I don't, there's look, I have a glass of wine. That's not the point for me. It's just that then we, we may add on things that are, are extra hard on us right? When we're trying to manage and actually the way to manage it is, is in a more healthy way. Would you agree? I, you know, it's so funny that you say that. Uh, Yes, I agree. And this came up very recently. I had um, posted on Facebook an ad for my research study, because that's how I make sure that it's socioeconomically diverse, ethnically diverse, geographically diverse. And now over it's close to 3,400 parents, 98% of whom are women, have participated since March of 2020. So I have this really interesting view um, on the pandemic. And one mom, just this happened like two weeks ago. I have a picture of a mom who has like thought bubbles of all the things going through her head, like there's spreadsheets, there's, she's got a baby in her arms, she's got chaos swirling behind her. And in one little thought bubble is a glass of wine. And when I had the image created, it's because moms do, uh, in many cases, crave that glass of wine and or crave that, you know, chance to take a deep breath or crave yeah. that Netflix binge or crave that walk or crave that carton of ice cream, like judgment free zone, um, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. But there there is something about like holding on to that sense of adult time, that sense of adult identity and I think for different people that manifest in different ways, sometimes it does turn into like a substance abuse issue. Um, and I see in my study moms going on and off of legal and illegal substances on a regular basis. But it it's um it really depends on you know what's happening for that person. And so someone had mentioned, oh, you know, the glass of wine when moms are struggling to make time for themselves, like you know, it's kind of inconsistent with that. So I had, there was a kind of a long thread where I chimed in, lots of other moms chimed in. And I think it is, that is happening in the community of moms. There is definitely, and even long before the pandemic, you know, sleeping medications, all of the things that are out there to try to ease what is really at the heart of it, an unsustainable way of life. And we are like, plagued by trying to manage what is unmanageable. And I think it lends itself to moms craving anything to, to kind of take some of the strain away. So it's really interesting you brought that up because I just had this very long 
Facebook uh, mm-hmm. discussion about it with several moms who I don't know, um, but it raised a lot of interesting points. Yeah. And, and again, I don't want to vilify it, right? I, I enjoy a glass of wine very much so. And, uh, and I think there's a, there's a line where I need this because I have kids. Like what, what, what are you communicating through that glass of wine to your children? I mean, I've seen a glass of wine that has written on it because kids, you know, and I mean, it's funny. It's funny. I get it. Like, yeah, I've been there, am there some days, you know, um, but it's, it's, it's like, I have to have it in order to be with my kids or we, we get together for a play date and I, and I have to have it, or I'm at my kids' sports and I have it, you know, sippy cup Sunday or sippy cup Saturday, you know, where all the moms and I've seen it, I've seen it. And I just think like, Hmm, is that the image we really want for our kids? Again, I really don't want to judge it. I just am noticing it. And I think that it, it, it speaks volumes to the suffering that moms have. And you just said we are plagued by managing, man, trying to manage the immanageable, but you might've used a different word for it, but no, unmanageable. It, it, unmanageable. Exactly. It's we're, we're being asked to do the impossible, right. In our society to maintain unsustainable schedules, impossible standards for looks and beauty. Yes. Um, you know, make full-time, what is a full-time job, right? Care of the home and care of the children, in many cases, coexist with full-time paid work, which has yeah. long since creeped over what used to be 40-hour standard, right? It's long since spilled over into every aspect of nights and weekends and vacations, So it's pressing, I think many people, caregivers and non-caregivers alike, but what happens with moms is that after we have children, we don't have discretionary time anymore. Um, We do not have the ability to kind of hit that relax stance or to unwind at the end of the day. It's kind of go, 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 go from the time you wake up until the time you go to sleep. And it's burning us out. It's tiring us out. It's stressing us out. We are not doing well as a community because of it. And that's where I think you will see lots of different coping mechanisms, some of them healthy, some of them unhealthy, um, depending on what lens you're applying to it. But we don't have great solutions in our society to make work and life fit for moms. And since the pandemic, it became much worse. So people are like desperate for some sort of solution. Yeah. And I want to talk about those solutions. And I want to say one last thing too, is that this is imperative to look at. And and I'm sure you agree, Leslie, because our kids are watching us too. And they're looking at us complain about our jobs, complain about our bosses, complain about our pay or lack of flexibility or whatever it is. Our bosses don't understand, you know, uh, maybe you are held back or penalized in one way or another because you have the motherhood penalty, right? Which if you're a mom in the workplace, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I have talked about this in a previous episode too with Jen Murta and, you know, that's really real. And so our 
kids generation are saying, oh no, no, we will not put up with that. So not only is it imperative that we make some changes, the workforce itself, companies, bosses, the future management of these companies have to realize that this generation is not going to put up with this stuff. They will not live a life where they are burnt out every single day. They won't, they won't do it. I'm with you hundred percent. It's interesting. I tell people all the time, especially on the the systems change side of my business, where I am working inside of organizations, said, you know, whatever accommodations you make that are good for a mother with small children or an infant, it's also going to be great for the 25-year-old guy who wants to surf and have a dog. Like it's, you know, giving people space to live their lives and to integrate care and integrate fun. Like that's good for all workers. And this generation, as you well described, won't tolerate it. I was just in an event like two nights ago. It was a women's networking event. And um, and I met several like earlier career women. And one woman, you know, she knew about my work because I'd asked a question about moms and supporting self-care in the workforce. And she said, you know, I'm not sure if I want to have children. And I noticed that it seems like less women of my generation are having children. And I said, birth rates are down. And, you know, what I tell all young women is that if you have any inclination to have children, it's better than you expect, right? It's delightful. It's wonderful. It's purposeful. um, It's enriching, right? In every way possible, but it is also extremely hard. And you have to have the kind of ecosystem of support that a lot of women don't have. If you are partnered and you're doing it with a partner, then that partner needs to be involved. Um, A lot of partners of, at least I'll say my generation, Generation X um, and generations prior weren't really socialized to be actively involved in hands-on household and hands-on caregiving. So it ends up being pretty lopsided um, when there's a gender mix, right? So for moms that are partnered with dads, the housework and child rearing remains very uneven. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what burns moms out in addition to all the inequities that exist in the workplace. But when I had that conversation with her, I was inspired because she's being really thoughtful about it, even though she's, you know, I guess she was maybe in her late 20s, but she's thinking about it. She's planning ahead. She's really weighing how that will impact not just her health and her life, but also her career. Yeah, that's, that's great. You know, and, and the thing about becoming a parent is you just don't know what it's going to be like and over-prepare. You can't really over-prepare because like nobody really teaches you how to be a parent. And, and I think that's, that's the biggest thing is that if we can provide help and support all along the journey, not just at, you know, there's a lot of companies that help with IVF. There's a lot of companies that will help because, uh, you know, at least in the States, um, I'm Canadian, so we have a longer mat leave here, but you know, um, in the States for sure, the mat leaves are so short. So breastfeeding support, uh, you know, all of that stuff, breastfeeding rooms, you know, but, but what about when they're two and they start to really challenge or their behavior seems really challenging when actually it's developmentally appropriate. And, you know, there's all reasons why they act the way they do, but you know, when people ask me who I work with, 
Um, I work with parents that have kids at least two years old because the honeymoon is over at that point. And that's when they start to really, you know, uh, I, I use different words that I'm going to use now, but like really start to frustrate you. <laughs> and, yes. uh, and right. And that's when it gets real. And then you start to worry and then you think, uh oh, is this going to be forever? And then what is my kid going to be like for the rest of its life? And all of a sudden they're busy and that's, you know, it just, you know, the stress mounts the stress mounts and it's hard enough to raise a typical kid, never mind a, a child with some extra stuff, right? So we do need support all along the way. And it would be so beneficial to everyone, to the company, to their profits, to their employee well-being, to the focus, to the uh, productivity of their employees, if we can help with the parenting side and just offer them support. Not that they have to offer the support, but have people like you, Leslie, people like me even, who will come into those companies and be able to just say, hey, look, I'll help your employees with the stuff that, you know, that you want them to keep at home that they can't possibly keep at home, right? <laughs> Gone are those days where you can compartmentalize, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, so many things in there that you said that I think are really important to point out and why the work that you do is so important. Like parenting's harder. It's more complicated. In generations past, I mean, not just my research studies, but larger macro studies that have been running for you know decades show that moms are spending more time. We are spending more time collectively, not just moms, parents, more time parenting, more time with our children than past generations. Mm. And we are also spending more time working. So mm. if, the, if the parenting time has increased and the work time has increased, I mean, what do you think it's squeezed, right? It's any of the you know, time with friends, time sleeping, <laughs> time going and for a walk, caring for your health, most families right now, and I've seen this in my research study for the pandemic since you know March of 2020, are dealing with a pediatric health concern or condition. Mental health as a crisis has reached like historic highs for adults and for children, yet access to caregivers, access to medical support is harder than it's ever been. So all that mental load, right? All that cognitive load tends to hit moms in most families. Like who's finding the specialist? Who's navigating those emails with the school? You know, who's handling the meltdown or the tantrum or the missed school homework or report? And, you know, it's becoming more even um, in families, but it's still like by a lot tends to fall to moms. So as you described, like, the pressure's higher, the workload's higher, the complexity is higher. Like we're in a different, like a whole different realm than our parents were. Mm -hmm. And the stakes are higher. The stakes are higher, yes. right? We didn't even talk about social media. We didn't even talk about devices, right? And and that stuff, look, it's the way that we the future is here, right? But we have to be aware of what these devices mean for our kids too, right? So yeah, you're absolutely right. And we're navigating that as pioneers, this generation, right? You and I, you know, we're, we're the pioneers here. Like, yeah, it's new to us, it's new to us as it is to our kids. So um, I think that's so important what you said too, that the access to the mental resources, um, we all need support and there just aren't enough people. Uh, to help and support. And this is where I get a little bit on a soapbox. And then I want to change well, I want to say this and then I want uh, to 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 transfer to talking about what we can do. 
uh, to support ourselves. And, and I can't wait to hear some of the solutions that you have and different things that, that you're seeing going on. Uh, but I, I, but I do think too, you know, there's, there's, there's definitely in terms of counselors and psychologists, there are, there, there's a lack of, uh, of them, or there's long waiting lists, or they're taking leaves because they're burnt out. And there are, there is another group of people who are very helpful. And those are people like me who are coaches, who are parent coaches, and we can absolutely help you through this. And in, in a way we can, we can actually help more because we look at the future. We, we, we take where you are now and look at the future. We don't sort of unpack the past and go backwards. We really, we, we acknowledge it. We, we learn from it, from what, what's happened in the past, but then we take the present and we move forward. And there can be some really massive changes when you work with somebody like a coach. And so I'm looking forward to the day where that's a normal thing. Like who's your doula? Who's your midwife? Who's your parent coach? Right. Right. Well, but it's, it's so important that it's normalized and celebrated when we ask for expertise and we ask for help and we make that a normal part of the parenting journey. And I'm thrilled. Like your expertise is extremely useful, valuable. I mean, there are coaches now for many of the more difficult places that we have to navigate, like executive coaches and career parenting coaching, health coaching. And, you know, it's an, I think, an acknowledgement that the complexity of life has reached such a level that people don't have the right support infrastructure without reaching out to these other services. So I say to everyone, anyone who's listening, if you're a mom, whatever you're struggling with, find the help for it. Do not struggle alone. Do not wallow in sadness, guilt, or shame for one more second. Like there's someone out there who has experienced this or has expertise in this. And we need more of that. And community helps you just feel like, okay, I'm not alone. Thank goodness. I'm not alone. Yeah. That's really beautifully said. So what, what are, what is it that you, you talk about in terms of self-care? What can we do? What can we do? Oh, that's my favorite question. Um, Everything at the top of the mom's hierarchy needs are the things that we would do for our mental, physical, and emotional health. And when I first kind of thought of the idea and drew down a little piece of paper, it was after I burned out when I returned to work from my second maternity leave, which now is just over eight years ago. Mm -hmm. And it was my aha moment. I realized that anything up at that at the top like learning, growth, sleep, (laughs) nutrition, stress management, healthy relationships with other adults, like they feel so inaccessible after kids because anything in the bottom two thirds that we really cherish and prioritize like our children's health and milestones, all the responsibilities we have in the household, all of our professional roles, those things are never done. Like you could spend 24 seven in the bottom two thirds of the hierarchy And that awareness changed something for me. I became, excuse me, I became ruthless about my schedule, ruthless about my time and carving out some space at the top. And, you know, it really does depend on what season you're in with your children, whether you have babies or toddlers, your moments are going to be different than if you have children who are in school. But anchor something in, I usually recommend to people start at the beginning of your day or the end of your day, 
where you have a little bit more control than what happens in the middle. So even if it's, I mean, it doesn't have to be an hour of a workout. I mean, it could be a five minute deep breathing exercise. It can be that you close the bathroom door and you just like splash some water on your face and doing that intentionally once or twice a day might be your break right now. That might be what you have time for right now. But if you give yourself that permission and you are intentional about assessing your needs, your state of mind, knowing what's triggering you, knowing where you have to set boundaries, and that could be a home. I mean, I'm not going to lie. You know, as you described, right? (laughs) Sometimes we have to set boundaries with our loving families. That could be your children. That could be your partner. Sometimes you have to set boundaries at work. And there's a lot of vulnerability in that, especially for moms, because we tend to be underrepresented on leadership teams. We tend to pay the mother, I mean, we do pay the motherhood penalty, not just in our, you know, compensation, but in our energy, our time and our health. And that accumulates over decades. So taking that space for yourself to do things that nourish your mental and physical and emotional health are really, really critical. And it doesn't have to be a lot, it can be a little. I encourage people to start small. I encourage people to set some repeating time every day. Mm -hmm. That's their time. And it can be when you first wake up in the morning, it can be right before you go to bed. Ideally, it's time when you have childcare or your children are asleep or you have some sort of coverage. But if it's not, you know, you know how that is. You can plan coverage and then all of a sudden you don't have any coverage. (laughs) Surprise, surprise, no coverage. So, you know, have a plan B and a plan C and maybe even a plan D. Like I'm an avid runner. Um, It's not for the exercise value. It's for the mental health value for me. It helps me reset every day. But I'm that crazy mom who until just, I mean, I did it even at the beginning of the pandemic, my daughter outgrew the running stroller, but beginning of the pandemic, I was that crazy mom running through the rain with my kid with the sippy cup and me with the umbrella and, you know, and the shield and the whole thing, because even if I got in a 10 minute run and it was raining and it was miserable, that fresh air. And even though my daughter's with me or my kids are on their scooters or their bikes and I'm at the playground, it's not the same as running by myself, but it's better than not running at all. And that movement, at least for me, is Mm. really like it's healing for me. Well, and it's scientifically proven to help you. Right. But the thing is, we turn away from the things that help us the most sometimes when we're in this sort of funk. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so I totally get that. I totally get that. So you've, you've just mentioned the hierarchy of needs. And so can you review those for us? Just, you know, so you said mental, physical, and emotional health, health are at the top. And then how, where does it go from there? Absolutely. And I'll, I'll share the categories, Um, the mental, physical, and most emotional health categories that are way up at the tippy top, right? The aspirational categories, in my paradigm, right, it's self-care, learning and growth, and Mm. healthy adult relationships. And Mm. that includes all of those really important things like sleep (laughs) and stress management and movement. The things that really fuel your physical health, your well-being, your clarity, your energy. And even though society is discouraging us from taking that space. I I often will tell people in workshops when I'm, you know, with parent groups, it's like, look look at your social feed. 
you know, what are you seeing? It's like everyone's doing the things in the bottom two thirds of the hierarchy, which are, you know, our children's milestones and well-being and their activities. And then all of our household responsibilities and our professional responsibilities. You know, you're at a conference or you're at a business meeting or you're, you're on the playground with your kids, you're at the beach. But, you know, when's the last time someone took a picture on Instagram or you know, name your social of choice yeah. where they're taking a nap? <laughs> with, right okay, where they're resting <laughs> exactly like who says hey I just took a nap and I feel really refreshed um yeah I'm gonna tag not... you next time I do that okay please please and I will high five you like nobody's business because we are like shamed for doing things that are good for our well-being and we're celebrated for saying yes to other people for prioritizing other people's priorities above our own and for being busy all the time, and it's not helping us. Women are at greater risk for hypertension, greater risk for heart disease, and a whole slew of stress-related illnesses because of the strain of all of the things that we're doing without the right support. And as you mentioned to earlier, because I'll just kind of reference it for, for your audience, um, my family's from Barbados, and I grew up in both countries, and I do have quite a few relatives who live in Canada. So, it, you know, in other parts of the world where there is more protected paid leave, where there's better um, mat leave or paternity leave, you do have some added buffer. Here in the U.S., it's among the worst countries in the world to be a, a working parent. Um, and I'd say we all have hopes that it will get better, but you can't wait until it gets better. Take that five minutes today. Take that 30 minutes today, take an hour mm -hmm. today, right? Like, don't wait for the time. Like, our, my kids will be in high school or who knows, college by the time these things change. Like, don't wait for it. Give yourself what you need for yourself now because nobody is paying the price except for you. No kidding. No, that is such good advice. Don't wait for the things to change, for society to change, the system to change, for there to be a longer leave. Do it now, take it now, take it now. And I wanna say one thing, you know, when, when you sort of look at this and, and, and you, and I'll use, I'll just use a mom as an example, but you look at a mom who is doing all the things, is stressed, who might not be sleeping, who isn't uh, feeding her body in the right way, right? It, in a healthy way, is not doing the things that we know that help like exercise, maybe, you know, overworking over, maybe using substances, what, whatever it is, uh, is quick to anger, quick to frustration, you know, isn't able to, to be self-aware. Would you hire that person to care for your child? Like, would you choose that as a child care provider for your child? No, you'd be like, oh, I'd run down the street away from them. Like, there's no way you I'd ever pick you as my, my child's daycare or child care. So like, why is it okay for you to be that way? Right? No, your kids deserve more. You deserve more. You deserve more. It, exactly. You used a word earlier that I loved. It's, it's like imploding. Moms mm. are imploding and it's largely silent, right? They're yeah. imploding and it's in that, you know, unspoken look or comment or 
breakdown that's happening in the bathroom, right? It's not visible at work. It's often not super visible to their family members. And it's harmful. It's corrosive to families. It's corrosive to partnerships. Um, and it is corrosive to the relationship with yourself, your kids. Like it doesn't help anybody. And doesn't. the martyrdom, again, the martyrdom is encouraged, but it doesn't actually help anybody. So it's like, if you do less, there's a price to that too. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to shy away from that. I mean, normally like it's so good that you can't see around me because <laughs> I used to be like a super neat organized person. Like before I had kids, I was like the color coded folders kind of person. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's like, it looks like I'm stepping over Legos. Yeah. I might find a piece of popcorn and a couch cushion. I mean, it's just bedlam. And that doesn't feel good to me either. But I had to tell myself the story. It's like, well, you could be the person who still is the super neat home mm -hmm. and the super organized space, or you can be the person who has a successful business and is engaged with her family and spends some time running and doing things for herself. Because being like the neatest and the cleanest, it feels good. At least to me, it feels good. But the price to do that in your time and in your hours is really high. So like figure out what you can trim, like what things can you not do in the same way? Um, you know, food, I, I mean, food's really important to me. I love food. I'm a huge foodie and I do cook um, pretty much every day. I have a system for that though. I don't like cook every meal from scratch, but cooking's a project. Like I do it because I love it and I really love to cook. But if I didn't love to cook, there's so many like high quality, like heat up meals and easy, like throw together things. Like you don't have to make a dinner from scratch. Like you can make a really nice sandwich <laughs> for your family. <laughs> like it does, yeah, it does, yeah. you can make beautiful omelets for your family. Like you don't have to spend an hour cooking. You can spend 20 minutes cooking or 15 minutes cooking. So, you know, figure out what your lines are. Like what are those one or two things that you consider critical that mm. either define your identity or they're really important for your growth or they're really important for your health or they're important for the culture of your family. And then let everything else just kind of like go for this season. You might be able to revisit it. You might not be able to revisit it, but start trimming the things that don't matter as much. Mm, I love that. And I love the season. So in other words, it's temporary, right? This is not, you don't always have to be this way. Remi remember that this is not, this is a moment in time. This is not a forever, right? So I love that. I love that. I really do. Um, and yeah, you know, what you said about the food, uh, you know, that sounds like that's self-care to you. And to me, I am the opposite. I would like the quickest meal. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to, you know, and, and it's great. My husband's actually taken over some of that stuff. I used to do literally everything. Um, but since the pandemic, he does do more and, uh, and that's great. So, um, so I think all of your advice is so good. I love it. And, and I, I want to talk about a couple of tools that you have for us, uh, which one is the ultimate time-saving guide. So um, I want to ask you about that and then time to unwind volunteer checklist. But first, can we talk about the time check wellness app? I want to talk about that. That sounds so delicious to me. So juicy. What is it about? How do people get it and how do they use it? 
Thank you. It is linked from my website. It's a web app, so you don't even have to download anything. Um, but it's fun. It's free. It's fast. It's super easy to use. I realized that all of these tools that I was teaching people in workplaces, when I met with parents or when people reached out to me personally, I would kind of learn a little bit about their situation and what season they were in and what was happening for them. And then I would recommend, okay, well, here's the three things or the five things you can do. And I love doing that, but it didn't reach enough people. People have been reading my work and following it for years and kind of, you know, delving into my studies, but I wanted something that could kind of live with moms week to week. And so with the time check app, it's like, it's a 45 second, just how are you doing? And it's asking you about your time that you're spending on the top of the hierarchy. Like every, every app out there that we use for our wellness is like, how many steps have you taken? Or, you know, how much time do you spend at your standing desk? Right. It's like, you know, it's things like it's tracking things as if the fault is the mom's as if the issue is willpower. It's like shaming us left and right. Like, oh, you haven't tisk, tisk, tisk. You haven't met your goal. You know, and I just wanted to like blow that up and show moms, you know what? Spend time on what fuels you. Don't worry about whether it's exercise. Don't worry about whether it's, you know, how much time are you spending on your mental, physical, and emotional health? And if it's not a lot or if it's not at all, that's okay. Here's some tips based on whatever you're not spending time on. I'll give them like personalized tips from the database that are connected to their categories. So it's like, oh, hey, here's how you can get a little more sleep or spend a little more time on self-care or do more things for healthy adult relationships. So they get like a personalized tip, articles that come back from the database, um, tips on how to manage and you know, streamline the bottom two thirds of the hierarchy, like mm. household work and professional role. And every week they'll just get a little email from me saying, Hey, how's it going? How are you doing? Just check in with yourself. Cause it's not for me, it's for you. And it's your space to feel like somebody is not judging you. Somebody is just encouraging you to take a little time for yourself because no one else, sadly, most people in our lives will not, (laughs) will not. And they're going to like, I see people and I, and I love it. I mean, people will say, oh, how are your kids? You know, how's your husband? And it's wonderful. But when I see moms, I'm like, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. How are you? Because few people are asking moms how they're doing. And you mentioned the importance of community earlier there's also like a subscription version that has like goal setting and a community tied to it. So there, there's like now a little over 70 of us that are in the community, Aww. but it's, um, but even I think just in your, in your life and your daily life, if you have like five minutes, maybe call that friend you haven't spoken to in a while. Um, you know, if you have a close relationship with a sibling, call your sibling, send a text message, you know, reconnect to the adults that fuel your spirit, that make you feel whole, that see you as you, like we're not doing enough of that. And we used to do very little of it anyway, and now we're doing even less since the pandemic. What, What I hear you saying sort of as an overarching message and you didn't say this exact word, but, but I also hear like, let's, let's make some room for fun too. Like let's yes. also laugh and 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 have some fun because I think we forget about that, you know, right? Yes. Uh, it's up at and the top. Be, 
interest, learning, fun, like, yeah, let's do that again. And our (laughs) kids want us to be a little bit more fun. Why are we so serious? Why did we get so serious? Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then, um, I also think we need to normalize messy. We need to normalize imperfection. And the more that we do, it just opens up that space where we get to be more real. We get to just say, yep, me too. I can't pick up anything. I haven't swept my floor in a month, never mind a week, never mind every night. Like, nope. Um, I, for a third day, I didn't have a shower. You know, uh, I didn't get to, you know, my kid's bed bedding hasn't been changed in I don't know how many weeks, you know, like, like, <laughs> I'm just saying. Just right. Saying, right? Like, no, I, but thank you for that. Because I, I tell moms all the time, they're like, especially like a few years ago when I was still in my corporate life and doing yeah. this research as a passion project, people say, well, how do you, and even still, it's like, well, how do you do all these things? How do you cook dinner every night and go running? I'm like, listen, look at me. my nails haven't <laughs> been done. And yeah. I don't know how long, like my hair, I, you know, it's like usually thrown back in a bun. I have not watched television and three and a half years. Um, no. you know, there, I mean, I like I gave up a lot. Like there's a lot of things I don't do. It It is messy and chaotic. And often it feels a little too fly by night, but it you can't do all the things. It's okay to let some of it go. It's okay for it to be imperfect. It's mm. okay to be who you are and be proud mm. and approving of who you are. Yeah. Exactly. And who you are in the season, even if it's not in the season. Yes, 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 yes. And and it just normalizes it. And it gives another mom, another parent, another person permission to show their mess too. It's okay. Let's judge less and love each other a little bit more and ourselves, right? Stop judging ourselves too. So, okay. So thank you for telling us about the time check wellness app, um, ultimate time saving guide, the, the time to unwind volunteer checklist. Those are in the toolbox. You can get those at www.parent-toolbox.com. In case you didn't know, it's the extension to this podcast is where the podcast lives on. And, um, of course, um, I, I would love for you to just quickly describe what those two items are and how, how the, moms listening can uh, can use them. Absolutely. So the ultimate time saving guide to family dinner was one of the first things that I systematized when I realized that, you know, serving dinner at 10 o'clock at night to a infant and or to a toddler. Yeah. Because I spent two hours trying to cook something fabulous was just not going to work. Um, yeah. And I just realized, well, this this ship has sailed. Uh, my days of making things that are really complicated and time consuming, oh, that ship has sailed. So for I now. just came up for now. Yeah. And I came up with a system, things that really work in a family, things that really work when you have young kids, like where well, you can have one meal. Cause I see so many moms who are like a short order cook yeah. They're making five different dinners. And I, I mean, my kids sometimes want like whatever they want. Oh, well, mom, can you make, I'm like, listen, this is not a diner. Um, <laughs> this is not you do not order. Yeah, you do not order here. Um, you are going to eat the couscous or the barley or the rice today because that's what the family's having. That's and right. I know yeah. you don't like it, but that's what the family's having. So it just allows you to make like healthy meals in a way that's sustainable for people who do like to cook or reheat 
and reuse things that you buy in a way that's really time efficient if you do not like right. to cook. And then the volunteer <laughs> one, um, the volunteer item is near and dear to my heart because I am an active volunteer and I have been for years. I've had to dial back because mm -hmm. I'm a little bit of a, like, I love volunteering. Helping people makes me feel really good. And I would oversubscribe to my volunteer commitments mm -hmm. and then find that I would be up till midnight, like trying to like make signs for something or, <laughs> or oh. send emails for something. And I realized, yeah. oh, well, this isn't going to work. But, you know, every meal train, every school committee I'm on, it's like 95% moms. And mm -hmm. we are encouraged to give our time away. We're encouraged to give our energy away, our time away, and to treat it like it's invaluable because so much of our time goes into unpaid care and unpaid household labor. So I have a checklist, like when is volunteering good for you? When does it fuel you? When is it actually going to feel like self-care? Or when is it going to feel like a strategic use of your time for your career growth, for your development? And then if it's not one of those things and it doesn't meet the list of conditions, then say no. And I, I have little and I have little email templates in there on how to politely, gracefully say no, because we're so socialized to say yes to everything. And it's not good. Oh, that's so that's so lovely. And you know what? You are so right. It's the moms that are taking care of like uh, all of the hockey tournaments, baseball tournaments. <laughs> Uh, you know, it seems to be, there do seem to be some gender roles there. Dads are coaching, but moms do everything else, right? The fundraising, the 50-50, the raffle table, the, you know, all the things, organizing the volunteers, volunteering to volunteer, all the things. Anyway, yes, very, very true. And, um, and yeah, you know, I, I did some volunteering as well and, and it wasn't really fueling my soul. It actually was hard on me. And I did have to step away from it because it just, at this point in my life, it was just, wasn't a fit. So, so I hear you on all of that. So uh, I think that's, that's a really, really great thing to do because we are called to give our time away a lot. There's no we doubt. Are. And, and, and if our it's time... like, no, go ahead. My apologies. I'm going to say, if it's like, for example, something ad hoc, like I'll recommend to people, if it's really fueling, like I love mentoring. I love mentoring kids. I love doing like practice interviews with people in underserved communities who need jobs. But then it's like a couple hours or an hour and it's ad hoc. And I feel like a hundred feet tall afterwards. I feel fantastic. Yeah. But if it's sitting in committee meetings where I have to make decisions about budgets for a nonprofit and I have to look through spreadsheets and like that does feel like, oh, it's like more work. Like I'm, I'm doing these it's things work, in my work. work life. Exactly. Like I do these things in my professional life. I do not want to do these things in my volunteer life. So yes. sometimes it's a subtle matter of like shifting how you volunteer, making it time wise work for your life and not fitting it in, in a time that's bad for your life or not having an ongoing commitment and having ad hoc commitments. Like there's lots of little levers where, yeah. If you're community minded, you can you can engage in that way and feel like you're feeding that part of your soul, but not do so in a way that drains you. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so interesting that you said that too. You know, I usually am the one who's controlling everything and not in it, not in a bad way, uh, but like, you know, sort of planning events, planning things like that, especially in my in my past career. 
And I actually look for a volunteer job where you just tell me what you need me to do. I'll just do it. Like, I don't want to make any decisions. You just tell me, like, I will do, I will take the garbage out. I will do whatever you want me to do. Just tell me what to do and I'll go do it. Right. So yeah, that's, that's, that's a really good point that you make. So I just want to say, thank you so much. You are uh, your website is momshierarchyofneeds.com. You are on LinkedIn as a company of Mom's Hierarchy of Needs. Same with Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You're on Pinterest. You are on all the places. Leslie Ford, you are a gift to us all. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the work that you're doing, for the research that you're doing, for the help that you're giving us and the permission that you're giving us to really lean into getting help, support, taking care of ourselves so that we can live the best lives that we know that we want and we may not realize we deserve, but we definitely do. Absolutely. We deserve it. And I'm so grateful that you invited me here. Very honored to share what I know and to share this space with you, Robin. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.